You are listening to the Radio Rebel podcast with me, Danny Coffey. Climate change is top of the political agenda in 2021, as it should, but are the suggestions to cut emissions fair and just? Has establishment Ireland taken the side of profitability over the small carbon neutral extensive farmer? To discuss this, I have the president of the Irish Natura Hill Farmers Association, Vincent Ruddy, on the line. Much appreciated for taking our call. No problem, Danny. It's good, good, good to come on and talk about this. Now, with comments there from the director of Chagas, Jerry Boyle, and more importantly, the comments from uh, John Fitz, chairman of the state's Climate Advisory Council, and I'll quote him, uh, the economics of beef are on a knife edge, even with heavily protected EU beef prices, farmers' net income from farm animals sold for meat and may even lose money. And he goes on to make the argument then that basically that we should cut the beef rather than the much more carbon-admitting dairy herd. Why is he wrong in this? And um, can you explain the science behind it? Yeah, look, thanks, uh, Danny. And I, I always think um, when, when the, the members of the Climate Change Advisor Council came out and, and mentioned that, like I, I definitely felt that they were off, off base on that. Because, I mean, their role is, is clearly... To, to, to advise based on the science. Um, and, and I mean, the, the, the issue of profitability or, or lack of is, is, is another issue. Um, you know, I mean, I know people say, well, you know, the two should be joined and look, that, that's a different discussion. But when he came out and said that, uh, I mean, we were taken aback because, I mean, he, he clearly identified, they identified the suckler herd. Um, now, the interesting thing, Danny, when we talk about beef, like beef, does, I think you have to recognize that beef comes both from the suckler and the dairy sector. Um, but in, in the dairy sector, the beef is very much a secondary product because the main product is, is milk uh, from the dairy sector. And and, uh, and look, a lot of farmers that would be suckler farmers would believe that the, the quality coming from the, the dairy herd uh, of beef is, is quite poor. Um, and, and that that would be a view that, that a lot of you know suckler farmers would definitely have, but uh, I mean the issue here has been that you know he, he kind of targets a bit the suckler herd, and and even in the the climate change advisory council in their their modelling on this and and the climate action plan, that there's five different models. And in one of them, they're they're talking about reducing the suckler herd from currently it's it's over nine hundred thousand cows uh, down to you know to see that reduced down to two hundred thousand cows. And and the key and, and but but the initial point that said this is based on the lack of profitability is not is is something that I don't believe they should be getting into. And the argument that you asked me, Danny, you know, have they why are they wrong in this? I mean, we've always pointed to a report, and this is not saying it. We pointed to a report a commission done by the EU Commission. It was published in in, in uh, September 2018. Uh, the report is citing grazing for carbon. And it talks about how extensively graze, how extensively gra- extensive grazing is, is quite good to sequester carbon. Um, and, and what it goes on to say, it goes on to outline that, that, you know, in many cases that the farmers that are operating these systems are, are probably in, 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 in positive rather than, in, in, you know, on the issue of, of, of emitting tech carbon. And, and I think when we look at a lot of our suckler sector across Ireland, not in all of it, but most of it, is, is, is that extensively grazed system. So, so the issue is, and I, we have brought this up with members from the Climate Change Council, um, to, to actually go back and look at that report and, and tell, if it's, tell us if it's wrong. That's uh, 
Deirdre Hennessy, that was commissioned by the, the EU Commission, uh, done that report. But looking back, if you look at most of the, I, I suppose, the, the Suckler, they would be under reps. They would have been under reps, which started in 1994. They, they would be now under, under GLOSS, uh, which is, and to give the acronym for reps, it's uh, Rural Environmental Protection Scheme, and the acronym for uh, GLOSS is Green Low Carbon Agri-Environmental Scheme. So under those schemes, there's a lot of uh, criteria to, to meet those schemes. Could you give some background of those schemes, what you, the types of things you'd have to do to, to, yeah. to, to, to join or to qualify, yeah, to, to qualify for those? Well, the, the initial one was reps. Now, I, I think, to be fair, it wasn't, just, it wasn't open just to suckler farmers and to, to sheep farmers, but, but what we found was that, that by and large it would have been it does extensively grazing systems and, you know, suckler and sheep farmers that would have predominantly joined, but not exclusively. Um, and reps would have been brought in in the uh, early 90s and uh, it was flagship, um, it was flagship agri-environmental scheme. Um, and there's a lot of measures in it. I mean, so some of them were that the farmers were asked just to add cattle to that to have fence back so many metres from, from waterways. But there was also a good tidying up job done. Uh, so it wasn't just about the environment initially. Like There was a good tidying up job done. And, and definitely, I think, from, from the mid-1990s, you know, there's about 10 years there where, you know, up to the mid-90s, you'd have seen uh, there was a lot of bale and twine holding, holding pallets yeah, along the side of the road. Uh, and uh, and a lot of that, uh, and it's interesting. All of that disappeared. Like gates were 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 hung properly, uh, and it really did tidy up the place. And we saw a lot of of paint was was a lot of sheds were painted as well. So so it it, it was it was a great scheme, uh, and a lot of farmers would be quite fond of it because it did work. They got paid to do work that you know they may not have otherwise been done, and it gave them the nudge to do it sometimes. And it was good work, and I think. You know, a lot of people would, you know, the, the, from an from a, a tourism point of view, even just just the view of the countryside definitely improved quite a lot. Uh, you know, in the space of four or five years, like definitely from the from the late nineties into the early nineties. Um, but there was some climate measures. You know, there was some measures, especially at the time. Reps would uh, climate change wouldn't have been focused as big a focus at that point. So there was measures though in it um, as regards for commonish farmers. I know that there was there was a destocking on the hills, which was part of 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 the reps as well. There was paid farmers were were paid or compensated for for that through through destocking, and obviously the biodiversity side of things would have been very much a part of it as well. So so at that point, um, you know, reps reps would have done that. Now reps finished, I think it was closed. It was announced it was closed in in two thousand and seven or two thousand eight. Now I know there were some people who were still in reps, um, and then. Um, that was during the financial crisis uh, in Ireland, and, and then for a number of years there was this AOS, uh, this Agri Environmental Option Scheme. Uh, so that did come in for a couple of years, but the next real big scheme is, as you said, Glass, and that was that one. That's the one that is currently there. So it's running at this stage six years, um, and definitely there was a far bigger focus uh, on environmental measures and on the and, and on climate change. So in glass at the moment, you, you have measures around, uh, there's bird boxes, bat boxes, that's to actually support, support those things. There is this wild bird cover to provide, to provide feed for, 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 for wild birds. Um, and then we have the uh, traditional hay meadow where farmers 
are being asked to not cut uh, meadows in order to to protect uh, birds, uh, ground nesting birds. So they're they're supposed to uh, hold up those meadows the 15th of April, and they're not allowed to cut until the first uh, of July. Um, so so there is that there is that option there. Then there is this low input permanent pasture option that is is woodcast as well, and that is about reducing the amount of chemical nitrogen and other fertilizers going onto the grass. And, and actually improve the uh, sort to create a more diverse sort, which which is probably better for 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 the environment and and for biodiversity. And, and obviously, then on our hills, uh, we have seen how the uh, gas plan has has, has uh, introduced these minimum and maximum figures on common just uh, for for farmers. That um you know so that the that the the, the the commodities aren't overgrazed, but that there is a grazing activity on it, and that's supported because I think over time there was a recognition that uh, our, our hills in particular, that they're managed landscapes, that they're not just about, um, that they're not just about, you know, let it go wild, uh, because that, that creates problems in itself. So all those measures are there, and I know we're, we're now looking at, at a new uh, a new scheme. Um, the detail of that hasn't yet been, you know, the, the, the nitty-gritty detail of that has yet to be decided on or finalised or outlined yet. It would be better accurate or more accurate. That's the new SE, uh, Agri Environment and Climate Measure, SEEM. So, so we, we'll get a lot more detail on that definitely by, by Christmas and I'd say into the new year. Just to go back on the profitability side of it again, the Chagas Annual Report Income Survey it has dairy incomes on an average of about 75,000. The suckler and finishing um, incomes between nine and 15,000 for the year. How can, I, I know it's the, the cap goes some way through convergence and the Chris and uh, the new eco scheme goes some way to bolstering the income of a suckler and finishing. What would be the best way of bolstering the incomes of um the beef sector, anyway. So, what would be there? Well, I, I, I think, Danny, when we talk about the suckler sector, we do need to, to recognise, and a lot of suckler farmers would say that, that the, the suckler beef is a better is a better product. Now, of course, you know it depends on on what you want. I mean, if it's going into mints um, or burgers, then I mean, you know, beef from the dairy sector is is, is just is, will do the exact same job. Uh, as beef from 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 a suckler sector, but if you're looking at better cuts and you're looking at, at that, then definitely the suckler beef is uh, you know there is a potential there. Now I think beyond that as well, because you know climate change, as as you said, is, is, as we said, is, is a big issue, uh, and it's a big issue for for the general public, but also an issue that's becoming uh, you know is, is animal welfare. So so for for, for sucklers, um, you know there is this naturally rare suckler beef, and, and this is something that it definitely does resonate a small bit more with with some consumers. I'm not saying all, uh, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the way the dairy beef is is, is produced in that respect. Yeah. But um, the fact that calf is left with the cow, I think, is something that 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 people maybe appreciate. And I think there is a marketing angle on that, uh, and maybe it's a uniquely, especially with with Scotland and Wales, and even the European Union uh, and, and and the UK, uh, there is definitely a unique opportunity for Ireland, maybe at EU level. Um, to try and market that and get a better to get a better price uh, in recognition, n- not just of the fact that it's extensive and low low carbon or carbon neutral, but also the the, the actual system, the fact that it's how it's reared. Uh, I think people and the public there's definitely a story to tell around that. Um, and and one of the things we did succeed at in part of the beef task force and the INHFA, we we succeeded in getting um, the suckler brand. 
recognised and we, you know the natural air at Suckler brand is, is how it's determined and that's we are insistent on that uh, and they have currently got a market budget of 6 million for Borbia to look at market of that and initial initial uh, results from that are shown is quite positive especially in Germany so so there is potential and I think when we look at, at how do we help Suckler farmers and how do we help you know small smaller farmers and a lot of farm, smaller farmers would be Suckler farmers um, then definitely um, you know, a far better market return and recognition that we have a unique product uh, that demands a better price. Um, and I think people would pay on that basis. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Now, they pay to a point. Uh, I mean, you know, you have to make sure that it's pitch right. So I think definitely on that. I know CAP is there to support that as well. And I know inside the, the, the current, ag- or the, the new agree, uh, the new CAP plan as, as outlined, um, you know, the definitely bigger emphasis on the environment. Uh, and and on these you know on the farmers that are managing the systems in extensive in ex- extensive systems are definitely going to be fairly you know much better supported under the next cap plan. You also have the mercy call deal if the sector sector um, is jettisoned, the mercy call deal could come back into prevalence, basically feeding lots of. Um, that that's how they they're fed out a lot. If you look at a lot of that Brazilian beef, and it's um, for the for the most part. Um, just moving on, then. Anyway, the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Program. Um, you have to sign up to board beer for that, isn't it? That's- yeah, um, that seems to be one of the conditions. Uh, with that, that's part of the the, the new cap plan, um, Danny, and. Um, there is um, there's a lot of resistance to that now, and uh, I know. Look, I'm, I'm a member. I'm, I'm with Borbia myself, um, and I think one of the things that I will say you find that it does do is that it, it kind of keeps you right. There's, there's an inspection, there's an audit every eighteen months, um, and it does kind of get you to make sure you do your your book work. And, and from that point of view, I, I do think it's, it's well worthwhile. And you know, if, if if there's something wrong, at least especially pointed out there, then on a cross compliance inspection under under CAP, where there would be automatic automatic penalties. So I, I think for any farmer, it, it's worth trying, it's worth looking at. But I understand the argument that has been made by some farmers. We you know we don't supply to the factory. Uh, the calves are, are taken off. You know the cows that you know we're selling as as, as weanlands or one year olds or stores. So we're not selling it to the factory, and that's an issue. Um, and it is definitely an issue we're going to be discussing. We, we have a meeting, you know, we, we will be meeting with the minister and, and, and department staff, um, you know, as, as we, as we try and get this cap plan finalized. So definitely there's, there's a major problem around that. Um, that if, um, yeah, there is. There's a major problem with that. Yeah. Now, the cover of the farmers journal when they brought out the carbon budget there, 56,400, uh, rural job losses. And now anything over 21% reduction of emissions from uh, agriculture will require a cut in the national herd. That's the KPM report. To meet those targets, there there is going to be, but where should that come from? Obviously, the science says, um, the science says it should come from the dairy sector. The profitability side of it says, it says it comes from the suckler. Like, where where would you say it comes from? Well, well look, uh, I mean, I I I know we 
you know, as a farming organization, we would have, you know, there are other organizations that would represent the dairy sector. So I suppose they can, they can make their, their, their own argument of that. And I'm not going to, uh, you know, but from a subtle point of view, I mean, as we said, like, I, I think that the science would indicate that the suckler cow and, and the suckler systems are, are quite compliant, uh, you know, uh, with, with carbon. Now we, we do need to, to actually look and, and get a carbon footprint on, on each farm. So I think that that would be critical. And I think if we get that, we might be in a much better position uh, after that. Whether that be suckler or dairy or, or tillage or, or sheep yeah. or whatever. Um, so I, I, and I do think we need to do that. And I think sometimes they you know, I know people say there is an urgency about this, uh, about climate change. And I, and I get that. Uh, but I mean, we do need to get it right as well. Um, now, I mean, you mentioned earlier on as well about the, what's happening with, with South America and the Mercosur trade deal or potential. And look, I mean, if we're going to reduce beef production in Ireland, um, fine, uh, if you want to say that. But, but then, you know, are we going to just import more beef from South America where, where, where yeah. the carbon footprint is much higher? Uh, and especially if they're cutting away the rainforest to make way for more and more beef. Um, it, it does seem, you know, I think the term is carbon leakage, uh, and that's, that's a problem. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, that's a major problem. Now, the other one that, that we do have to address is, is this issue, um, around, uh, the production versus the consumption. And, and if, if I, you know, if we, as we drive our cars, like we're, we're using, you know, that's, that's taken from this diesel or petrol, but it's, it's from crude oil that was produced potentially in Saudi Arabia or something like that. But yet, it's, it's, it's assessed as part of Ireland's, uh, overall emissions. But a cow, but beef consumed in Germany or China or wherever else is not seen as part of their emissions, but is seen as part of ours because it was produced here. So, so there is a problem uh, around that. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of discrepancies. And I think, you know, people generally speaking will, will find that, you know, that when you look at that, it doesn't make sense. Now, I mean, and anyone that, that, that takes, you know, I mean, you can take a very, you know, a very media-led view where you just basically don't think about it. But when you take the time to stop and look at this, a lot of things don't make sense. And the other thing that does make sense is is the fact that, you know, in the climate uh, action plan, aviation is is getting a free pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so so cows pollute, but planes don't. Is that the message? And and when we when we asked them about that, they said, well, we it's hard to actually determine what country because planes are traveling between different countries. But I mean, you know, I, I think they can get around that one easy enough if they want to. You can just put an extra tax if they want to, if people are flying uh, from from the country they're departing from. Um, you know, that 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 seems to be there doesn't seem to be an interest to go there. And I'm not I'm not advocating that we we definitely need to put a, a carbon tax on it. But if everyone else is getting hit with the carbon tax, and if the tax is definitely going to impact hard in rural Ireland, then it is hard. To understand, to stand, stand there and say, well, why, why are people allowed to fly all over the place? Yeah. And that's all right. But if we drive our cars, it's not. Or if we have our cattle and, and, and that, it's not all right. Uh, so, so that we do need, we do need to, to, to have a fairness about this. Uh, and, and that's Absolutely. what those people. The mixing of the dairy and basically getting, uh, uh, a kind of, I, I suppose, like that old uh, kind of half, half dairy, half uh, beef. beef. Cow, the the, the yeah. dairy shorthand. Are they looking at producing that type of uh, those type of cattle again too? Well, 
Well, look, I mean, there was a time in Ireland um, when we, you know, the dairy cows, and it was you had the, the British region, which, which to be fair, was a pretty good cow, like from a beef confirmation point of view as well. Uh, it wouldn't be obviously as good as your, 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 your Angus or even your, your Continentals, but still, would, would, you know, would have been able to produce. But, but the, the, the desire at dairy level then became about about milk solids and butter fat. Uh, so, so the type of cow changed and, and changed quite a bit. So you went to Halston and on to Jersey. Um, and the problem is that they're very good at producing the type of milk that people want and that, but, but they're not good at producing any level of quality beef. So, so, uh, I mean, there is an issue for the dairy sector and, uh, I suppose that's something that they have to, to work on, um, to, to decide. I mean, are they going to stay with that? Um, and sacrifice um, and not to be part of the beef sector uh, or, or do they want to uh, and I'd hope they would come back um, maybe you know to, to some of those more traditional breeds uh, I know in, in, in Europe in, in, in Austria the, the Fleckfu would also be, be seen as, as a dual cemented with the same ones here they'd be almost seen as a dual purpose that was dairy and beef and they produce pretty good uh, pretty good beef also so, so I, I think there is a discussion, and I think we need to look at that. But, but even if you if you breed, um, you know, a beef animal off a dairy cow, if the dairy cow is is so far to 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 being dairy like that, they're pedigree dairy, if you want to call it that, you're still going to have a lot of the traits uh, of that dairy coming through in the beef. So, so you know, it's not just enough to to look at at producing the calf from a dairy cow. We need to look as I think as you said. At the actual type of cow, um, that's a debate. I do think that will hopefully take take place over over the next over the next year or two because I think it does need to. Now, what happens if the farmers you represent are eventually, through uh, measures, forced off of the the land, the, the hills, and the natura sites? What happens to that with rewilding? We've had instances of this uh, across the globe, but it hasn't turned out. So well, no. I mean, and I think when we talk about the, the suckler herd, and maybe just to go back to that first, because I think people need to understand what, what's happening here. I mean, one of the proposals, I mean, when you look at the climate action plan, is obviously they're looking at a lot more forestation, and uh, that that's an issue. Um, and, and you know, I think that you'd be looking at silk spruce, but they say that they're good to sequester. Uh, and the other thing, though, then is this rewetting of pecans. Now, when you look at the land that's been targeted, uh, that, is, that will be forested and rewet, by and large, you're looking at land that currently will be carrying such for cows. So, uh, and that's part of the, the climate action plan under the land use policy. So, so clearly, they need to make way, they need the cows and the such for cows off to make way for other things. So, that, so maybe that explains somewhat why uh, the climate action uh, the Climate Change Advisory Council are so anxious to see suckler cows gone because they need to, uh, to to free up that land for other uses. Um, so, so that's going to be particularly on lowland. Um, so I think, and the proposals around rewetting are, you know, are, are to um, you know to support or to 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 to, re- to reduce the amount of carbon that is is, is supposed to be emitted anyway, uh, because as as the, as the land currently has been drained, as that dries out, there is this. Uh, Argument that 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 is emitting carbon. So if we if we actually stop the, the process of it draining out and, and block up those drains and rewet, then they start to sequester carbon again, or at least at least it'll stop emitting. And I think that's that's the, the the science behind that one. Um, 
but but we you mentioned there, Dan, at the end about our hills, uh, and there is definitely um, you know there are people I think would be quite happy to see all stop going off hills, um, and I think that's maybe a foolish idea because we we have to look at our mountains and our hills and realise that they are managed landscapes. Yeah. Um, and, and as you say, you know, there has been problems uh, abroad and in Ireland. And if you look at what happened in Killarney, the, the Killarney National Park um, last summer, the early summer, uh, there was fires burning there, I think, for, for quite a bit of time. Uh, that wasn't farmland, no. That was a national park. Um, and, and when those fires burn, let's remember you're destroying biodiversity, which is what you're trying to protect. And you're also emitting thousands of tons of carbon. We saw the same in Greece, we saw the same in California, we saw the same in Australia. And and when you see that happening, I mean, a lot of people say, well, that's climate change in action. And that's a handy line to so, to throw, and, and maybe there is an element of that. I, I'm not going to dispute it, but but also we, we have to recognize that it's a lack of management. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's what's happening as well. Like, And we need to make sure that you know fires cannot burn uncontrolled. Um, so that's why you need to have Greenland, you know, uh, and you have to have managed land around that to stop that from happening um, and, and to provide, to, pr- to protect uh, our communities, our houses where people are living, but also to provide an escape avenue for, 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 uh, for wildlife if there is, if a fire does take off. So, so that's, that's something that, that definitely needs to, be ha- that, that needs to be recognized. And I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people don't really, again, the, the, the idea is, is great, but they don't really give it the thought that it's required. Uh, farmers are obviously operating those lands. We know the hazard. Uh, we know if, if the land isn't being grazed, uh, we know what can happen. Uh, and even if it is being grazed, like heather in particular, we'll keep going anyway. So realistically, what needs to happen, and, and this would have happened traditionally, is that we do need to have controlled burning. Um, but again, most farmers are very afraid to do that. And I know when people say this fire is going up, that's farmers. I, in most cases, it's not. Because my experience in talking to farmers now about, about fires is most farmers have been very, very afraid to, to, to light any fire uh, because of the consequence. Yeah, in Australia, the Aboriginals, I grew up in Australia up until I was about uh, right. 11 and that. Then I came over, over to Ireland, to uh, Cassidy and Roscommon, which has a big mart in the middle of it as well. So I'm affected by this, or the people that I grew up with would have been affected, are affected by all of this. But in Australia, the Aboriginals had a thing where they burnt off in circles and the fire kind of, kind of burnt into it. Into, uh, and what it done, it stopped larger fires um catching the bush and taking the whole bush off like you know and when they were they stopped that 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 was part of the reason that you had those bigger fires because of the the fires just went on and on there was no bits that yeah. you know that were that were yeah you take away the uh you, you take away the uh, you know the, the what, what feeds the fire if you if you don't provide yeah. the, the, the feed to the fire in, in in the scrub then yeah and look the aborigines would have would have recognized that and that's long before Climate change uh, obviously has started to feature, so they recognised the need, and they, they were the they were the indigenous people that that operated uh, in, in Australia. Yeah. And look, the same you know is true in Ireland. Like there would have been hills that would have been there would have been a level of uh, there would have been small fires burnt, uh, used to make sure that it can't take off. And and this is something that you know we have to look again at, um, and, and farmers need to be supporting that. But as well, like. I mean, the, the issue for farmers is, like, you can carry out prescribed burning, but uh, there's a lot of regulation around it. And, uh, 
you have to set the date and if the date comes and it's west you can't go ahead so you have to notify the you know you have to notify the fire cars and that's fair enough but you have to you know you have to notify a lot of people um and and set the date and you have to have a whole pile of people there to to control it and all that um so like so so there's so much hassle around it most farmers just don't do it uh, and they just don't burn and and now you're trying to keep it grazed um and that's in itself can can create problems but um look the rewilding is is you know it may work in some areas but i think definitely in ireland rewilding is is like reintroducing wolves um it's it's just not it's just not uh, something that anyone really should entertain Finally, Vincent, have we got it right with the climate change, and, and what what's the future for the the farmers you represent? What do you see the future being? I know you're not um, a clairvoyant, but just <laughs> well, look, I mean, climate change is a real threat. Um, there's, you know, we we can't we can't disagree with the science of that. Um, and uh, and I know climate has has always changed in the past, but this is, you know, what we are. You know, looking at here is most of the the changes that we're seeing now is is um, man-made. Um, you know, and but part of that is because of uh, the ever-growing population of of, of us. Um, but you know, we have to try and find a way to do that for for farmers and and communities. Though, I mean, we we have to look at it not not just in terms of Ireland, but we have to look at it from a global perspective uh, because it is a global issue. Yeah. Um, and if we look at it solely, so if we just say we're going to tick the box and Ireland is going to reduce their beef herd and that beef is being produced less efficiently from a climate point of view in another country, or if or that dairy product is produced less efficiently, then then uh, that doesn't, then that, while, while it might look good for us, it's not doing anything for the planet. Yeah. Uh, and this has to be about the planet. Um and that's the point. And I think, you know, it's, it, it is quite difficult, but, um, it's, it's a big challenge, um, for, for farmers, uh, in, in, in many parts of rural Ireland and the rest of Ireland. Like, you know, you mentioned earlier on the KPMG report uh, and 50,000 job losses at 21 to 30% reduction in that. Um, there are 25,000 job losses, both in agriculture and, and directly relating to agriculture. It doesn't actually include the multiplier effect beyond that. So potentially you're looking at a lot more job losses because, uh, obviously, you know, as someone working in a deli counter at, at, at a service station, you know, isn't included in that 50,000 job losses. If you know what I mean, no, but their job will become vulnerable if, if the economic activity is, is reduced. Um, and, you know, so, so, and there is, there is more extremes, like, I mean, they're, they're talking at, at 50% reduction, which will happen as we get into the 1930s and, in, you know, and beyond. Then they're looking at potentially 100,000 job losses. Um, so, so that is going to wipe out rural Ireland and, and look, I mean, uh, or many parts of rural Ireland. And I think the point, the thing that could, should concern us the most is the farmers that are in the front line of this are going to be our smaller farmers and sucker farmers because they don't have the scale to make the changes and they don't have the money to make the changes. Um, and they're the ones that's going to be in line. And, and then it's the communities beyond that. So like, if, if you're looking at it, I mean, the, where, 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 where I live down in, in, in Sligo at the moment, I mean, there is a school there. But I mean, most of the children that's going to that school will be coming from, you know, they would be from a farm background. Uh, or, be, you know, the parents of the farm and are definitely part of the farm. So if we reduce that, if we reduce that tie to that local area and they're along a farm, and then will that school stay opened? You know, and that school and many others like it, 
yeah. and and you have knock-on effect right across the economy. And at the same time, we're talking about building more houses in Dublin. But I mean, if we build more houses in Dublin or urban areas, then you're going to need to put more schools in place and we'll close them down in one place and we're trying to open up more schools in a place that's already crowded. Um, and, and like, it, it just doesn't... I, I, I just wonder who plans it out uh, because there's obviously no real plan to this. Um, well, you I, know, I, I it, it is it's it's an, an urbanisation plan. plan to urbanise. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, Casserie, I've grown up in Casserie, there, there was three days uh, that that there was life in the town. There was Tuesday when you had the, the uh, sheep mart, Thursday when the, on the cattle mart, and Saturday because it was the weekend. And that was the three days that things happened around the place. Like, you know, so a place like mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, if you reduce, uh, if, they, if there's nothing to transition to as well, you know, this you know, yeah. serious bother. Like. And, and look, I mean, uh, maybe, the, you know, the, the last point I'd make on that is, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look across the water, across the RC to what happened in the UK, uh, and in the 1980s, we saw the coal mines being closed. And those promises being made back then, that don't worry, like, we, we will look after that. And, like, if you go into Yorkshire and South Wales, and there's, there's lots of coal mining communities where, where you're now looking at three generations of people that are unemployed. Um, and they were just left. Um, and, you know, that was a policy that was driven by Margaret Thatcher uh, at the time. And, uh, I mean, that's why. Um, and, and, you know, I, I hope that our governments, you know, don't end up doing the same. Uh, I, I don't know if they deliberately, I don't believe they deliberately plan to do that, but I, I'd hope that they don't, the same thing doesn't happen in, in rural communities across, across Ireland. Absolutely, Vincent. Vincent Ruddy, President of the Irish Nature and Hill Farms Association. Thanks very much. Okay, Danny, thank you very much. Well, that's it from us. Denise O'Toole produced. Music was by DJ Green. Toga Boogie, Sloan Foyle, 